How many times have you gone through the office? Honestly, too many times to count. If I had to like do an accurate guess, I would say maybe over 20 times. Okay. You and... I just it's just always playing like background noise for me. Yeah. That that's definitely uh my partner. That is 100% Katie Ham. Um Sounds like a good good person. Yep. with my friend Sheridan Allen. Sheridan started a great nonprofit organization called Punk Talks. It provides free mental health services for people in the music industry. That's a pretty broad scope, and they did that on purpose. A lot of people who support bands, tour with bands, uh, work in venues, musicians, everyone is included. Uh, Sheridan and I get to talk a little bit about exactly what that looks like and the story behind how she became a social worker and got into this work. First, I want to thank folks for engaging the last couple weeks and the last few episodes we've done and sharing it and getting the word out there. Very much appreciate it. Very much love that. Love seeing people enjoying the conversations. This week, you're hearing tunes from the new Honey and Salt album. It is a self-titled album. Honey and Salt, I'm going to play a couple songs from you, uh, for you, from you. Did I just forget the meaning of for and from? Is this a family guy sketch in the making? Uh, so I forgot the meaning of for and from, but I did not forget to tell you that we have a special first ever promo code for the podcast that will be shared later in the episode. Thanks to our friends at Spartan Records. So once you get to the music break, I'll be able to share that really cool thing with you. We're finally on Stitcher. That's super cool. So if you're listening to this on Stitcher, hey, what's up? We're on Stitcher, we're on the Google Play Store, and we're on the Apple iTunes app. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us in the in the apps so that people, more people can see and potentially want to hear some of the conversations that I'm having with people. It's pretty cool. I'm even going to be bringing you some live stuff pretty soon from some of my talks and some of the educational stuff that I do uh, in on on my so- on the side in my life. Yeah, uh, that's basically all I got. We should get into this conversation with Sheridan because we cover a lot of stuff in a very quick amount of time. So let's do this. Cool. So I'm sitting here digitally with my friend Sheridan Allen. How you doing? I am cold and I don't know. Cold is the overwhelming emotion, but good, you know, great, <laughs> excited to be here. You got some heat on in your apartment, in your house, wherever you um, are? 
I do, but I live in like one of those old Philly apartments uh, that's like very old and drafty and so it's like useless. It doesn't matter. It's always 50 degrees in my room. Oh, goodness. I've got Franklin to keep me warm. It's okay. Oh, good. Yeah, we um we wound up having a bit of an issue with um our heat going out uh like last weekend. Like I woke up I woke up with a massive headache and that only happens when like I sleep, uh, when I get cold, when I sleep. So I was like, what the hell happened last night? And I checked and apparently our complex, which is only four mm-hmm. apartments, ran out of uh-huh. heating oil. So Heating oil? Wow. Yeah. We're old school in New England. So. Wah, wah. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, Sheridan, tell folks a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, where you're from. Um, well, I'm Sheridan. I, uh, am a social worker by profession. I live in Philadelphia. I am the founder and I guess director of Punk Talks and I am a professional nice girl. (laughs) I like that. Um, It's only okay when girls say it or non-citizens say it. Yeah. We, um, the guys in my band and I went to brunch the other night or the other day before, uh, rehearsal and our waiter that we get is just really, really wonderful. And Mm -hmm. we just kind of like the, the four of us were just like, we're just a bunch of good boys, just being good, not being a jerk, just being good. Um, there you go. Yeah. So. Uh, Being nice just... is my brand, and that should Aww. be everyone's brand too. That's wonderful. I like that. <sighs> Thank you. How did you get into doing social work? <sighs> well, um, I started. I so I went to a tiny little Christian school, um, and promptly transferred two and a half years later. But I started out there as a music business student because I was interested in artist management. Um, and one semester in realized that it was not the path for me. Um, Hmm. and it just like, wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, and I had gotten a job at like a local homeless shelter. Um, just, it was like through the work study program at my school. So, you know, you went through and you picked out of the list and, um, they put me because of how my schedule was, they put me in the intake office. So I did like Uh, They had like a clothing voucher program that I, you know, was in charge of running and I did all the referrals and stuff like that. So that was kind of my first introduction to social work. And when I realized that music business wasn't really working for me, I started thinking about other options and I was like working at this place the whole time. And so like my boss is giving me all these like ideas like, oh, you should do PR or marketing or something. Um, and then I was like, why don't I do social work? Like, duh, what an idiot I've been. So I declared social work um, second semester <laughs> of my freshman year. And I've been madly in love with it ever since. And I could not imagine doing anything else. Love it. So you gave up doing music business, but now <laughs> you've basically found your way into the music business how how did the idea of punk talks come to you so yeah i it i guess i have done that no i've never thought about it like that before (laughs) but um 
I was in, I, so I went, I transferred to a different college, Northern Kentucky University, go Norse. Um, and I was finishing my social work degree there. I was, um, I had spent a lot of time in college feeling really disconnected from punk music. And like, I was so into it growing up and in high school. And it was like, kind of my only conduit to like the world outside of small town, Indiana. Um, and when I went to college, for some reason, I just like, my interests went elsewhere. You know, I was focused on like my activities that I was into. And I, I just like mostly listened to the same bands that I had always been listening to, but didn't really discover a lot of new bands. Um, lo and behold, modern baseball comes into my life. And uh, I, like so many others, was uh, just totally blown away by their sound. I thought they were great. Um, and I was in like my last semester of college at this point or I guess was my final year and I was just like you know I had spent all this time like wanting to work in music and like be involved in it and that was what I originally set out to do when I left home um and I was like about to start my career I had a job lined up after graduation so I was like you know like I'm never gonna have an opportunity to do this um and I started you know like I was just kind of because modern baseball had like inspired that love that I had for the discovery of music and kind of opened the doors for me into the world of DIY. Um, I was just kind of like itching to get started. I was thinking about how they were also college students at the same time um, at Drexel here in Philly. And I just thought like, that's so crazy that they're like planning international tours on their spring break. Like that, I can't imagine how stressed out they are. And, you know, like, I'm so stressed all the time and school's the only thing that I do. Like, I can't imagine the pressure they must be under. So I started, like, thinking about um, kind of my skill set and the music industry. And I started doing some research. And there were were no really, like, accessible organizations uh, that provided, like, very, like, specific services to, specific like, m- music industry workers. So I was like, well, I guess I'll give this a shot. And here we are. Hey! <laughs> I wish it was a more exciting story. Sorry. No, that's great. Um, did you know I, I played a gig with Bren uh, at the end of August, actually. Oh, um, he that's let awesome. Me, he let me open the gig. It was wonderful. Up here in, up, up in Lowell, you? Mass. Very, oh, very big sweetheart. Um, I yeah, think we had a, Sam's was on that tour too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, great. That was it was like one. the first or second night of them going out on uh, cool. on that, so it was great. So wow. now, personally and professionally, what do you see as the imp- importance of therapy? Mm, okay, I could go on about this. This could be the whole years. podcast if you <laughs> I will keep it short. I could yeah, I could create a podcast talking about why people should go to therapy. Um well, I'm guess- giving you the platform right now because folks <laughs> got to hear it. <laughs> okay, so professionally as a professional social worker, I've never encountered a social work professional or professor or anyone in the field that has ever said that like social workers don't need therapists because uh, I mean, it's just like scientifically proven through, you know, compassion fatigue and secondary trauma. People that work in helping professions are more likely to take on the burden of others. They're more likely to be, you know, just have 
a big scope for compassion and empathy, which is wonderful. And like, frankly, one of my favorite things about my personality is my ability to feel compassion. However, it can be very emotionally exhausting and limiting. Um, but so professionally, being a person is really freaking hard. And a therapist helps you like deal with just the regular hard parts of being a person on top of if you have any like huge trauma in your life, they'll help, you know, like your trauma will impact you in ways that you would never imagine or don't even think about. Um, and it impacts you for the rest of your life. So mm -hmm. if you don't cope with it, when, you know, as soon as you can, then it's gonna, it's going to limit you moving forward. Um, personally, I am, I mean, I have endured a lot of trauma in my lifetime. Um, and I talk really openly about that because, uh, ha I, I mean, it's impossible for me to say whether this had happened or not, but in my opinion, like my trauma is, is the main contributor to my mental illness of borderline personality. Um, and for a long, long time, I mean, even when I was in social work school, um, my professors would say like, everyone needs a therapist. And I would be like, oh yeah, I mean, uh, um, but I was, I don't know, like even as recently as like five years ago, people would ask me, like, if you had asked me about my mental illness, I would have said, well, you know, like my childhood happened, but now it's over. And like, I'm, you know, it's fine now. I was an idiot and it's, it wasn't fine. And it wasn't until I started really taking my mental health seriously and, uh, you know, having a lot of honest conversations with my family and the people that had impacted the trauma that I had endured um, that I was able to make some real progress. And it's just so important to me that people know that like waking up like disappointed because you are disappointed to be alive again. Like that does not, you don't have to feel that way. That's not, I, I thought that my inability to like be alone with my own thoughts, I truly for years thought that that was a character flaw, that that mm. was just a bad part of my personality. Like yeah. this is my depression and my anxiety is literally just like who I am. And that's it. Guess hmm. what? It's not, it's not who you are and your therapist will help you. Like I, what I tell my friends about it when, when they ask people that are close friends with me, the biggest therapy advocate in the world, they still are nervous about it because of course therapy is scary. What I tell my friends that are interested in seeking therapy on why they should go is that therapy helps you identify the person that you want to be and then helps you become that person. Hmm. You know, like the things that you don't like about yourself, those are not like permanent aspects of your personality. So it's just so important for me that, yeah, I don't know. It's important to me that people know that there, there, there's a better life out there for you. There really is. And therapy really, really will help you get there. Oh, for sure. And I think that that's a piece of, uh, therapy that folks tend to, um, I don't know, not take seriously or even kind of ignore sometimes the piece about how therapy is not just going and talking to someone like that's not what it is. I mean, yeah. it is on the surface, but it's, you still have to actively want to change some things and it right. takes effort and it takes energy, yeah. which again, 
can be draining, but if you put in the work that you're doing with your therapist, like I've been going to therapy uh, strong for the last seven months and it is drastically changed and impacted and enhanced my life just because I'm thinking more about the way I interact with others and the energy that I bring to rooms and how it impacts me. Enthusiastic head nods. Enthusiastic head nods for the folks at home. (laughs) But I I think that that's super important for especially folks like you're saying, like in helping fields, like educators, like people in, in explicitly in my field that work in colleges, a lot of us get that empathy fatigue. And like when I started going to therapy, I felt that I could go there and kind of dump stuff and feel better and then also work on my stuff. So it's helped in that regard as well. Yeah, it helps. I mean, your therapist is someone who literally is paid to like help you be a better person. So, you know, they're going to help you like they're not going to enable your bullshit or put up with your bullshit that's so true it is i mean shaylin my therapist she'll tell just the other day like she i like forgot to text her back and she like immediately called me on my bullshit you know and that's like that's how therapists should be um but it's all it's somebody to help you become the best version of yourself and you know our assistant director caitlin cowan who is like the most amazing person in the universe Uh, She works through uh, the Philly Green program and they take uh, college students on like sustainability trips internationally. And they do, you know, they take them to like Iceland or whatever and teach them all about like sustainable living. But they sponsored a mental health first aid program for higher education recently because people that work in higher education. I mean, that was really the time when my mental health came Mm -hmm. to head was when I was in college and so many other college students I know suffer with it because you're under an immense amount of pressure. You're young, you're around people that are actively breaking your heart and making horrible decisions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a horrible time. So definitely for educators, for anyone, I mean, for any person in any field, in any, like any human being should go to therapy. Yeah. Completely agree on that. Um, So why did you feel the need? I guess after um, the modern baseball influence came through, what, I guess, directed you to carve your niche in like to serve the music industry? Uh, Well, really, it was um, because like because I was in that kind of state of I was about to graduate. I had been thinking about how I could become involved in music and I was thinking like okay I really only have one skill set um so modern baseball's kind of their ambition I guess is what helped me see that there was just a total lack of resources to the music industry specifically and musicians live a grueling lifestyle you know like the whole trope of like being a starving artist exists for a reason Mm -hmm. and there's you know, they're disproportionately affected by mental illness or mental health issues. People in creative professions are disproportionately affected by it. So I really, you know, there's a lot of other, there are a lot of other resources out there for other creative professionals, but in music there, I just, 
I, the longer I work in music, the more I feel like the music industry is light years behind the times of any other industry. Um, and they're real. I mean, there was nothing, really nothing available. The only other organization that is even like comparable to punk talks that exists right now is music cares. And they're a subsidiary of the Grammys um, and they're great, but they have income limits uh, for the people that they can serve, which is I'm sure directly impacted to their funding, but you have to be making a living out of being a musician to even mm. have access or to be qualified to their services. So the people who needed services the most just didn't have access to anything. Um, so, you know, we saw a need and we wanted to meet it. That's wonderful. Thank you. All right. Going to take our first break of the podcast just to remind you a little bit about Art of Survival, which is my nonprofit. We're talking a whole bunch about punk talks throughout this uh, conversation, which is fantastic and sharing a lot of information about punk talks and sexual assault awareness month is coming up in April and my organization uh, the Art of Survival is looking to share as many stories as we can about survivors of sexual violence. So if you are or someone you know is a survivor of sexual violence, sexual assault, sexual harassment, rape, please reach out to us uh, at artissurvival.com. There's a link to share your story. And you can even email us at artissurvival at gmail.com if you would like to share your story with us. We will make you a free piece of art for sharing your story with us. I had the honor of meeting a couple people for the first time who've shared their stories with us uh, at a recent conference that I went to, and it was just super, uh, super loving and super beautiful to feel their healing through the work that we did for them and the art that we created for them and simply them sharing their story though. That's the wonderful part. Like all we did was make art. Y'all are the ones providing the stories. Y'all are the brave ones. And we just want to continue developing a community of healing and just like punk talks so that folks can feel comfortable sharing about what's going on in their lives. So we don't have to live in silence. So again, go to artissurvival.com to check out more, share your story, and get some free art. We'll hook you up. All right, back to this conversation with Sheridan Allen. Punk Talks just turned three years old. That's great. Yeah, it feels like it has been no time and also infinity time, endless time. (laughs) So, and y'all just got certified as a 501c3. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. So that much just, is happening right now. There's, yeah, it's, there's a lot going on for sure. I'm I very like tired. Every other day you're just, here's another big update. Here's another uh, big update. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, not our intention really, but, um, yeah, it's been a, a very exciting time of growth for us. That's awesome. What was the process like getting the 501 C3? It is something that, I mean, we've been thinking about since really we started. Um, But my friends that are accountants told me, you don't need to register for that until you're ready to, to draw a salary. And of course, we're still not even remotely ready for me to even make any type of money working at Punk Talks. But um it was, it just kind of became time. Like we were getting, you know, we had been 
slowly, steadily growing, um, getting some bigger donations. So we figured it was better for us to put put a ring on it, so to speak, um, so we could work to get some bigger funding and hopefully begin to pay our therapists and maybe me one day. Um, oh. But the process, I so all that is to say that I definitely hyped it up way more in my head than it like actually was. It really wasn't that bad at all. Okay. Um, I was very lucky that our um, the treasurer of our board was very helpful in um, navigating kind of the, the forms and all of that for me. So we first had to uh, become an LLC or no, we're not an LLC. We're um, an incorporation. Uh, so Punk Talks Inc. LOL. Um, and then shortly after that, we filed our 1023 on the internet. And six weeks later, they told us that we don't have to pay taxes. Oh, yay. yay. <laughs> it doesn't really mean anything, right? It means more for everybody else than it does for us, which just means that now everyone can give us more money because they can write it off at the end of the year. There you so go. that, yeah, that will be good for us in the long run. But right now, it definitely means more for you all. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I run the Art of Survival, and Katie and I still haven't. We haven't gone through that process yet, because again, it's really not as bad. It, like I definitely, for like years, was like, oh my god, it's going to be so horrible. I don't know anything about accounting. I mean, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. It's more of like, we just, it hasn't gotten to the point where it's like a big deal. Like everything we're doing is very much still very low key and right. everything, yeah. all of the money that people like donate to us, like at gigs and stuff, it just goes into making more patches and shirts. Like that's right. <laughs> really where the, and like to pay our artists who make art for people, but like right. that's really all it's been. Yeah, we're definitely still operating on a very, very small scale financially. Like no one, it's an entirely volunteer run organization at yeah. this point. Like no one is getting paid for anything. Um, but now that we are a 501c3, we do have, um, that will open us up to a lot more funding. So we can potentially pay people. But also like one of our artists uh, works for Apple yeah. and Apple will... Uh, reimburse her $20 an hour for every hour that she works on punk talk stuff. Yeah, I know. That's like as much as I get paid in my regular salary job. Yikes. Uh, I Dang, know. I, Apple. Dang. She deserves it. Um, and I'm all of my people deserve to be paid a million dollars a year. And I wish that I could give that to them. But yeah. someday when oh. I get paid as much as the CEO of Amazon. <laughs> Over the last three years, what have you been learning about therapy and musicians and their relationship with therapy and maybe even some stigma around therapy? So um, really when – so I started really kind of studying this in like an academic setting uh, when I first launched Punk Talks. So in the spring of 2015. So it was my final semester of college. Um and I did a lot of like, I did my qualitative sociology research around uh, kind of the need for a specialized program and did some interviews and stuff. Um, since then, I've since gone to grad school and um, undergone my clinical training. So in like, all I can say about grad school for me and getting my MSW was that it like undergoing clinical education has made me just look at the world in a totally different way. And 
it's like I you know my friends will tell me that I have like my therapist pants on and not my friend pants on when we're hanging out because it's like really hard for me to like not like I'll hear a certain phrase and I'll just immediately be like oh so how did that make you feel or like you know oh I wonder (laughs) what that's about you know like I just catch myself saying stuff like that and I'm like yikes you know um (laughs) so really I think like that has really taught me a lot about how to look at different behavioral patterns um that musicians have but also to I mean I think when we first got started um people were at the point where they were talking a lot about mental health and mental illness but so many people were still like thinking that like, oh, it's not that bad. Or there was just really, I saw a lot of just kind of like internalized stigma around the actual idea of therapy. It's like going mm-hmm. to therapy. Um, you know, people would talk about feeling depressed or feeling anxious, but then when I would bring up the idea of like them seeing a therapist, they'd be like, no, 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 it's fine. And that's called avoidance. Um, of course. And it's, doesn't work uh as you probably already knew yeah spoiler alert bottling up your emotions and ignoring them isn't healthy and not productive um so now we're really to a point where and of course punk tox is not even close to solely responsible for this but i have noticed a shift in um people are starting to you know go to therapy and talk about being in therapy and you know like the conversation has actually shifted from you know, talking about it to doing it. And I think that that's great. Like I'm seeing a huge amount of the music industry really lower their inhibitions about seeking treatment Hmm. and talking about seeking treatment and talking about what that's been like for them and letting people know like therapy actually fucking rocks. And like, (laughs) I feel like a better version of myself now, you know, like it's like the hype is real people. Mm -hmm. It really is. Well, and I feel like the a lot of the stigma is around like not really wanting to admit one that there's a problem and two the answer or the problem or whatever being something that you also have internalized as being a bigger issue than it might actually be. Like right. when I was officially like diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um I wasn't sad. I was mostly like, okay, I have an answer that finally makes sense for how I've, how I am the way I am. And that's great. But there are a lot of people out there who don't want to even confront that. Uh, Today I gave a talk uh, at a community college in New Jersey. I'm probably going to post it on this podcast eventually, but because it was recorded, that was super sick. But um, at one point in my talk, I asked, the entire room. I'm like, I'm going to ask y'all to be brave right now. How many of you have been or are currently in therapy uh, at any point in your life? And over half of the room raises their hand. And I was like, see, you're not alone in this. Yeah, and that's why, like, I don't think that I have, I met this woman named Carly at, um, it was through the Jed Foundation. It was this storytelling workshop that I did last May. And she uh, used to be a journalist at HuffPost, and she now works at, like, Google. She's amazing. But she had this article on HuffPost about, like, you know, don't call me brave for seeking treatment. And I thought that that was a really, you know, like, mm-hmm. it, I want to shift the conversation to a point where, like, we don't even have to tell kids, like, who wants to be brave. or And, you know, the, like, the idea of not 
wanting to confront, like when I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, I did not feel relief or like I had an answer. I, Mm -hmm. for years, even, I mean, as recently as maybe three years ago, three or four years ago, was telling people, well, yeah, I have borderline, but like, not really. And stuff like that. Or like, yeah, I was diagnosed with that, but like, I don't think I really have it. And I know now that that was an internalized stigma that I had, but also was me kind of projecting my anxiety about it or like insecurity about it onto others. And I realize now that no, I definitely have fucking borderline personality disorder, like not even close, but also that it's like very misrepresented, you know, and that you can't just like bipolar disorder is and just like all mental illnesses are, you can be, you know, you can have borderline and not like burn somebody's house down for rejecting you. It's amazing that negative stereotypes of every group exists, right? But yeah. guess what? I have borderline and I am a pretty well-functioning person now, but mm-hmm. for a long time I was not um, until I got therapy. So yeah. if anyone out here is listening and want, thinking about going to therapy, like, absolutely, this is your sign. Please do it. I'm begging mm-hmm. you. And even like with bipolar disorder, it doesn't mean that you're you're a violent person either. Because I know that there's a lot of folks who think that that's the association. It's really just feeling things on a spectrum, and the ends of the spectrum are really intense. And so that is like how I've learned about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So walk me through the process. I'm a musician seeking your services. What do I do, and what do you do? Okay. You're a musician seeking my services. You email me at punktox at gmail.com. Hopefully something else soon because we're registering for Google for nonprofits. There you go. Um, You email me and you say, hey, Sheridan, it's Craig. I'm a musician. Here is my zip code and my insurance provider if I have it. Um, well, actually, no, let me start that over. So you email me, you say, Hey, Sheridan, it's Craig. I want therapy. And I heard about punk talks. I would say, Hey, Craig, thanks for, well, first you'd get an automated email back saying we're run by volunteers. We're not a crisis service with some resources for you. If you are in crisis, if you're not, when I have time between my real life and my day job, I will Mm -hmm. email you back and say, Hey, Craig, um, you know, what's your zip code? Do you have a health insurance? And I will explain to you your options are, we will try to get you therapy in person if possible, like always, always 100% of the time, because that is the most effective way to receive treatment. Also, if you are on tour all the time and you're listening to this and you think, but I am on tour all the time, I will say to you often, if you get a therapist where you live, they will work with you while you're on the road. They will call you while you're on the road. Mm -hmm. They will Skype you. They will, you know, and in this way, if you do have health insurance, your therapist will be able to be paid. And that makes a difference. Believe me. Um, If not, we have uh, some other agencies that we work with. Open Path Collective is a therapy collective. Um, It's like a network of therapists that uh, don't they don't accept insurance. So if you don't have any, that's good. Um, And you can see individual therapists. Oh, Sorry, we're showing each other our cats right now. Well, because um, football, or Tux decided to come hang out with me. It's normally football. Um, you can see a therapist for $30 a session uh, through Open Path. Yeah, which is very cost effective. Yeah, um, We have is. a list also of low-cost therapy resources by state on our website. 
or by city on our website. Um, so go, everyone go take a look at that uh, to see what we have in your city. But say that you have exhausted all your other options and you can't access therapy in any other way. We will um, put you in contact directly with a therapist who, well, we will send a therapist a referral and they will email you directly with some intake paperwork. You'll fill it out and send it back. And once you do that, the ball will be rolling and you will start sessions over the phone, over chat or Skype or whatever. It's really up to you all. But once, I mean, once I connect you and the therapist, I am out of the picture. It's just up to you two at that point. Cool. Like that sounds like it, like it would function as most of uh, therapist relationships do. It's very much on the person seeking the services, um, yes. which I think is great. It adds a level of uh, motivation and independence. Um, I like that. <clears throat> yeah. So we're ha- not going to enable you. Um, you know, this, like we're a volunteer service. So, um, and also like, we're not forcing you to be in therapy. So if you, uh, aren't ready, then it's just not the right time for you, but we will yeah. always be here for you when it is. For sure. Now, how do you market your services and connect with bands? How have you done that in the past? Well, um, I used to, I used to tour a lot more. Um, in my old age, I've settled down quite a bit, but, um, so that was really I'm older than you. (laughs) That was really how I did it starting out was being on the road a lot. Um, but you know, we try to be as visible as possible at music festivals on the internet. Um, you know, uh, when we first started, it was just me for like a year. Um, and now today we have like a whole staff of people helping out. We have our board, we have our therapists and, um, I have a lot of really wonderful people that believe in what I'm trying to do and help me achieve that on a daily basis. Yeah. That's awesome. Does that, I don't remember the question even. Oh, it's just more of how you market your services and get. Oh yeah. I don't know. I have a social media professional that does it for me. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, cause you've been able to connect with some pretty good tours and I was always really impressed with that. Um, Thank you. Um, it's really mostly just, uh, good people believing in the work that I'm trying to do. It's fantastic. Yeah. I have made some really wonderful friends over the years and really, I mean, there are a lot of really wonderful bands that uh, we have been fortunate enough to work with um, whether they're receiving services through us or they just like what we do. So we're very, very lucky. That's awesome. Now, uh, last question before we get into a little bit of a lightning round. Uh, what what else do you want people to know about punk talks or even mental health support and recovery in general? Um, what else I want people to know about punk talks is, I don't know. I, I just encourage everyone to remember that every person in, that works in the music industry is figuring it out. You know, like a lot of people really kind of expect us to have answers and expect other people that have answers to every question that they have, or, you know, when, when certain things happen, they look to us. Um, we're a team of people who are trying our hardest, just like everybody else. Um, so, you know, try to be patient with us, um, in that regard, but really, uh, I mean, we're just made up of people who are really passionate about 
creating a happier and healthier scene. Like this whole brand of being a sad boy needs to be done. I've been saying it for years. And I just, th- you know, we've been facing a lot of really kind of big problems in the industry with, you know, sexual assault, gender inequality, like problems that have been going on for years that are really kind of coming to a head. And I think that we, that so much of that, like a contributing cause to so much of this is because we have not had any accessible treatment options for musicians. Yeah. Um, You know, prevention or education is the best method of prevention. Um, Mm. So get learned about mental illnesses, get learned about therapy, go to therapy. Like if you can't find a therapist, we will literally find one for you. Mm. Like, I want everyone in this universe to have a therapist that they love. That's mm. all I want. That's awesome. And I, <laughs> I, I think that you and I first initially connected because I had commented on a post about uh, restorative uh, justice. And my comment was transformative justice. And yes. the only real difference that I found in that, and it's, it is actually in regard to sexual assault in the scene. And that's yes. mostly what we table for. Right. Um, a sexual assault prevention. And we also do suicide prevention, but right. um, the idea of transformative justice that I talk to a lot of folks about is actively when it comes to abusers, it's mm-hmm. the, the result we want is not restoring them back to what they were because restoring them to what they were might still have some toxicity in it. Transforming right. them, transforming, transforming, not a word transforming them to even become activists that are actively seeking the change as well. And that it's only a little slight difference. My, like our idea with rehabilitation is of course, like done in a transformative justice, like framework. Yes. Um, so we were when we market when we marketed that program as a restorative justice idea. Like first, I will say that um, we really kind of developed adopted the model from someone who had already developed it in a different DIY community yeah. um, that I had just kind of observed myself and was like, "This rules." Would you mind if Punk Talks started using something like it? Yeah. Um, so their term was restorative justice, and I I will say that I think I chose the wrong term when I described it as that but I think I did that because when I was first thinking about putting the model together I was thinking about it more in a victim focused way which of course you know that's what the point so like when I said restorative justice I was speaking from a victim centered standpoint I think but of course in doing so and in in implementing that conflict resolution and mediation um and the the peer fellowship that is a part of our program, transformative justice is a huge part of seeking, you know, our therapy services that we offer through that program. So I think, I mean, I think we were both right about it. Oh you yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, like our work is centered in survivors and um, supporting. Um, <laughs> that cat is just staring at me. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. He just sits our... on his. Our focus no. is centered. No. Our focus is centered on survivors, believing survivors, and the right. only mindset that gets me into transformative is when it comes to people in the scene and how do we actually 
how do we actually change toxic toxic masculinity in the scene? And it's hard. And I think it's going to take like folks of our generation to like lead that conversation and make that change happen. And that does take transforming a scene. <laughs> right. I think a lot of it. Um, I mean, yeah, in order to achieve systemic justice, we have to change procedures and we have yes. to change the way that we're doing things. So I think that, you know, like we have to start at the ground level and that's what we're trying to do. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I think it's really easy to be overwhelmed when you think about Ooh. the systemic issues that exist in, you know, the institution of music and within DIY and like the subculture of punk music too. But if we yeah. focus on the little things that we can impact every day that each, you know, each day that we're doing this and each day we're making a positive impact, we're closer and closer to reaching our goal of equality. 100%. I love that. Couldn't have said it any better. Thank you. All right, all right, all right. It's time for our music break portion of the podcast. This week, our friends at Spartan Records are featuring another new album that they're putting out, and it is another doozy. Last week, we focused on Man Mountain's new album, Infinity Mirror. This week, we're hyping up the new Honey and Salt album. It's a self-titled album. It's 10 tracks of really exploratory uh mathy, emo-y, pop-punky kind of stuff. There's a lot of different sounds in this album. And the tracks, you've, you've already heard a little bit of one of the songs uh, earlier, and we'll finish it later. That's called A Nihilist Takes Up Knitting, which is an amazing title for a song. Next, we're going to play a song for you called Simple Errors. It comes off the new self-titled Honey and Salt album, which is coming out through Spartan Records on April 6th. So in just a couple weeks, this album will be out. Today, I'm finally featuring our first ever promo code for the podcast. Spartan Records will give you 20% off your next purchase uh, through their store at spartanrecords.com. Go to spartanrecords.com and use the code EDUPUNKS, E-D-U-P-U-N-X, and you will get 20% off your next purchase from Spartan Records. The promo code will last until April 6th, so you got a couple weeks to, to claim uh, 20% off from Spartan Records. And hey, we're probably going to be featuring some more of their tunes in the future, so you never know. If you don't take advantage of it now, you might have another chance in the future. But I strongly urge you to take advantage of their back catalog right now. This does not work for pre other pre-order albums, and it does not work for distribution uh, releases. So you can get some classic crime Shiloh, May, American Opera, Young Fox, Baron Womb. You can get a lot of good stuff from the Spartan Records page. Please go support them now. And now here is Simple Errors from Honey and Salt.
Yo, that song is fucking sick. This new Honey and Salt album comes out April 6th. Get yourself a vinyl copy. Get yourself a CD digital copy over at Spartan Records. You can use the promo code EDUPUNKS, E-D-U-P-U-N-X, the name of this podcast, to get 20% off your next purchase with Spartan Records. Definitely go check out some of their stuff now. Let's wrap up this conversation with Sheridan Allen. We can wrap this up with a quick lightning round. I'm just going to ask you a couple things that you like in life. I just like to end this up so it's nice and wholesome while you hold uh, Franklin. And Tux is right there just wandering around waiting for Katie to come home. What is your favorite color? Blue. What is... What did you say, purple? I, I should say purple because that's like the Punk Tux brand, but no, blue. Uh, what's your favorite food? I don't know. Tight. <laughs> Diet Coke. <laughs> I'm a Coke Zero fiend. Ew. Ew? It has, the, it has a little bit more bite than Diet Coke. That's really it. It just has a little more bite. Um, what about a book? Do you have a favorite book or a book that you're reading right now? Um, a book that I'm reading right now is a book about how to be a better therapist. That's boring. Um, my favorite book is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Has been since I was 15. Classic. What about TV show? Do you watch TV? I watch The Office compulsively and it is literally playing in the background as we're doing this podcast interview. How many times have you gone through it? What about uh, bands, favorite bands and or album, even um, like right now and all time? You can look at it in both. Well, all time has been uh, altered recently. Yeah. So I will say uh, I've loved the Decemberists since I was like a sophomore in high school. Okay. I was like the only kid at my high school that was really into them, which is funny now. But they just put out a new album and it is so good. That was so on good. Friday, uh, right? Yes, it's called I'll Be Your Girl, and it's like, oh, man. It, they really, they stuck true to their roots, but also explored the new, like, synth pop trend. They oh. executed it perfectly. Um, I haven't checked see. it out yet. Uh, I'm, I don't know, Alkaline Trio, The Hush Sound is one of my all-time faves. Um, big Julian Baker fan, uh third eye blind self-titled is like the fucking my gospel who's untitled um and third eye blind self-titled yeah Yeah. um also i'm a lifelong beatles fan fuck the haters (laughs) i guess fuck me because i'm a beach boys guy (laughs) okay you can you're not mutually exclusive i can love brian wilson and Ringo Starr. I just remember when, like, because they were the two bands for a little while. Like, they they were, were, they were like trying to one up each other. It was wonderful. Uh, Do you have a favorite album? Or even when you're jamming right now? Um, when I'm jamming right now, I as much as I hate to admit it, the new Turnstile album rules. I know we we Um, bonded over this. Like, I did not expect to become a Turnstile fan. Yeah, not in 2018 for sure. Um, <laughs> Lord's, okay, honestly, Lord's first album, I loved Melodrama too, but her first album, and I will tell you why, it because she was 16 years old when she wrote that album, and 
like when I was 16 years old, I was the fucking most annoying human being on planet earth. She wrote this like just amazingly like simple album about just like hanging out with her friends and like riding in their cars. She doesn't like once mention boys. Uh, it's just like a really cool, nice, wholesome album of a young feminist. Hell yeah. Uh, Lord's first album is one of my favorites. Her second is great too. Um, I don't know. That's it right now, I guess. I dig it. Well, thank you so much. How can folks get a hold of you? Um, you can email me at punktax at gmail.com. You can tweet at me or uh, Instagram us or Facebook us. But if you do anything other than email us, um, somebody else will send it to me. So, um, <laughs> But it, it'll get to me either way. Um, and, you know, just like send out your like – spirit vibes into the universe and I will find them some way and feel the, and I'll reach out to you in the mm. cosmic path of Aww. life. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me and I'm so glad I got to meet Franklin. Hey, friend. Um, <laughs> Franklin says, um, thanks everybody for listening and he's sorry that no one can see how cute he is right now. But if you want to, you can just check out the Punk Talks page because I post photos of him all the time. There you go. There it is. Uh, so is it at, at punk talks? That's, that's what it is yes. on social. Yeah. At punk yep, talks. On all of our socials and our websites, punk talks.org. Sweet. Well, thank you so much. One more time. Thank you. That's it. We did it. We finished another episode of the edgy punks podcast. I'm so thankful for my friend Sheridan Allen sharing all sorts of information and knowledge with us today about mental health and therapy. I even got to share a little bit of my personal stuff that's going on, some stuff that I haven't really gotten to share all that publicly until today. Um, Recently diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which is exciting and also a little scary, but also exciting because I'm getting treatment for it. And that's exactly what Sheridan is trying to get folks to do for themselves as well. So hey, if you like what Punk Talks is doing, go over to punktalks.org, check out how you can support their work and support Sheridan and their therapists and all the great work that they do. Congrats again on getting the 501c3 and not having to pay taxes. That's super sick. Taking on the system the right way, I suppose. Now, if you also like the tunes you heard throughout this episode, they come from the new Honey and Salt album, which is out on Spartan Records on April 6th. If you use the promo code EDUPUNKS, E-D-U-P-U-N-X, at checkout from the Spartan Records store, you'll get 20% off your purchase. That's super sweet. Again, it does not work for pre-orders and distro titles but anything that spartans put out before this episode is available for you to purchase follow us on social media at edupunkspod i post stuff there pretty often whole bunch of fun stuff you can go on twitter follow us there it's great stuff please continue to share with folks and tell folks about the podcast Uh, share rate and review that's one of the best things you can do to help us out 
And that's really all I got. Next week's episode is another In Between Spins episode. And I cannot wait to chat with my friend Jacqueline O'Connell once again. It's one of the, I'm starting to look forward to these every single month. We're going to have a good conversation about reunion albums. So if you have some reunion albums and bands coming back that you want to hear us talk about, let us know. We'll talk about it. We'll, We'll see what we got. We'll see what we can do. But until then... Hope you're all doing well, wherever you are in the world. Hope you're taking care of yourselves. I love you. (laughs) But seriously, if you're listening and you're a consistent listener and you've made it this far in the podcast, honestly, thank you so much for your support. It means the world to me. So let's get to work. Yeah!